This is my friend Richard, which lots of you are going to get to see again and again and again, because we love diving into a spiritual journey and seeking the truth, because a lot of us get to go to a lot of workshops and read tons and tons of books. But at the end of the day, if we want to be a conscious being and we want to be awakened being, or the yoking with the divine, as oftentimes they stated in what is to uh, um, to yoga, people think yoga means stretching and all those this impossible, you know, the twist and turn of the body. It isn't. It's the yoking with the divine. That's what it means to the yoke with the divine. It is the yoga. As the when somebody referred to Buddha. It is not just the Buddha, the man that we see the sitting with the stone about 2,500, 3,000 years ago. It means awakened one, awakened being. So since we seek to, to wake up, seem to me the, the truth, the seeking the truth is the one of the most important things. And my friend Richard here and I get to do a lot of this discussion, peeling away the onions, you might say. Because if we say we really seek the truth, um, what does that mean? What does that look like? So I just thought I would set up a little bit, Richard, and just to see where we go. So this is just a chat between two very good friends who are really want to wake up. Because how do we want to spend our life on this earth, the remaining days? It is to be awakened being. So the question that I have for my students or to each other as conversation, what is your relationship with truth? That's something to think about. Maybe before I go into too many other things, we can just kind of let that sink in. What is my relationship? What is your relationship with so-called truth? Well, first of all, Misun, I love the metaphor that you use of peeling away the onion, because that's very appropriate. And I always thought that I had done a pretty good job of peeling away the onion with regards to truth until I met you. And you caused me to question a lot of my beliefs and my relationship with truth changed because I always thought I was a pretty truthful person. I've discovered with you that because there's so many layers and there's such potential to deceive ourselves in thinking that we're peeling away to get at the truth. It's a very interesting subject that I think is very worthy of thinking about, communicating with other people about, and sharing and getting different perspectives, because you have certainly given me that. Well, you're right. There's so many layers, and there's a many layer to it. So I think I phrased it. There is many layers to so-called truth. I hope you know that, and I hope every one of you know that because there is many layers. So it doesn't have to be, um, what, what depends on what the subject is, depends on what the subject of the truth that we seek and how far do we wanna go, right? Because oftentimes we seek so-called, because we like to think we are truthful person, right? That's important to everybody. We like this, others to see us as truthful person. That is true. And what I realized through my friendship with you is there's a lot of social pressure to conform to the social norm, which causes me to be less than truthful. And it, it's so refreshing to realize that 
and then to question everything that I say in terms of, is it in fact the truth? Now, also another thing is one has to be very careful to speak the truth appropriately. Obviously, you don't wanna be a bull in a china shop speaking the truth in a way that can cause damage in a relationship. Not that we should not speak the truth, but we should be very cognizant of when it's appropriate. And I think one way to do that is if you ask me a question mm -hmm. and I don't want to give you the truthful answer because it may have ramifications in the relationship or it may cause you distress, the perfect out is to say, I, I, don't, I choose not to tell you that. Why not? Well, I, cho I choose not to say, I choose not to say, because we all have a sovereign right to live our lives as we want and to, and to speak as we want. Now, Richard, so what do you think about that? Well, since you said that how we tell the truth and things, you have to be careful. Got it. Absolutely. How we actually handle the, the any, any material, any valuable it's 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 a it's a commodity if you want to call it's an it's an um it's an intangible commodity correct so how we handle that thing is like a dynamite you can blow it out or you can lay them gently down i think when you say i choose not to answer i think that says everything so if somebody was asking you a yes and no question right and you say, I choose not to answer. I think the answer is yes, or whatever the framework that they have represented. So I don't think that's that, very that, satisfying. That is why this is tricky business. It's exactly. not black and white at all. There's a lot of nuance in right. how we approach the truth. But I would rather be in control of speaking the truth rather than abrogating my power over to the social normity. Because that's what, that's what meeting you made me realize how, how influenced I was but what is, by what is, what is the socially accepted way to interact with people. And sometimes that comes at the expense of the truth. Well, that's and so, yeah. Sorry, sorry, go ahead. And so it's, it's very refreshing to get to this other plateau that you are on, that you influence me to strive to get on. And it's tricky, it's tricky. Well, I think it is extremely tricky and it's not so tricky, depends. Because the recipient and who you're having conversation, where they are at, it's not to say one is in the higher or not, they're how much one wants to dive in, willing to open themselves up. That makes, if you want to call the word tricky, yes. Because so when people show up and say, I want the truth. So I guess one of the things that I think Michael used to, Michael is my husband, frame it would be like, do you really want the truth? Meaning when, when you, you're talking to me soon, because, or do you just want, to me to say whatever is acceptable to you. Because people say that, but they don't really mean it. So right. that when people address that, I guess it might come up a little bit of harsh. When I say harsh, meaning 
everybody has this framework in their head that you they want you to fit into um, to make them feel comfortable. So when they say, I want the truth, they don't really mean it. They just say that. That's true. That is so true. So it is a delicate place, but it's an you awesome know, I like that word, Misung. Let me change from saying it's tricky to it's delicate. I, I, I much prefer that because yeah. it's definitely the more empowering way to live. And I think it serves all of us better if we have a real adherence to truth and it's delicate. One has to be aware of the social implications, but like I, at the risk of repeating myself, I'm so happy because of your influence to want to, to, want to challenge the socially accepted method of interaction with people because it's steeped in a lot of untruths. Well, I don't think we're going to cover all this within say an hour or whatever. And in, after probably one hour, um, I start glazing. So I'm going to keep it in a somewhat framework. Then we can dive into it a little bit okay. more. again, because it's going to be an endless conversation. But I think, and, and, I actually, I wanted to go back on that a little bit about tricky that it's a yes or no answer. And I think there's other ways to answer, like I choose not to answer, post to um, let me think about it. Or I think there's just other way that the perfect word does not necessarily come to me because usually when people do ask yes or no question, they expect the yes or no answers. So I think I, I, think I want to kind of marinate that a little bit more because there is another way because Oftentimes when you don't give a yes or no, you have already answered the question and you don't want to be in that position either, not only as an answerer, because by you not answering or you answering that I choose not to answer, you have already given away yourself without realizing the answer. And you don't, because you wanted to keep that, that thing to yourself for now for whatever your personal reason, but by the frame of the question, you already answered it, right? So you don't want to be in that. Yes. And you just used a phrase that's very interesting, which is, let me think about it. And that is most times inherently false. For example, I go into a car dealership. I look at the car. The man, the salesman spends time with me. He's a nice guy. And he says, okay, are you, are you ready to buy? And I said, no, I want to think about it. When in fact, I just didn't want to hear, hurt his feelings. Right? And I think people do that all the time in commercial transactions, let me think about it. When they know in their heart that the answer is no, but they just want for social reasons to keep harmony or and to not. So uh, let me ask you, would you, when you say, let me think about it, would you be absolutely truthful that you want to think about it? Yes. All the time, you would, Stephen. Yeah, no. I know you would, um, I, know, I know you, because as you know, um, I was looking for feedback from an event that I recently held or organized. And um, my significant other said to me, why don't you ask me Sung for the feedback? Because you know she will tell you the truth. See, this is the great benefit that comes from telling the truth. Mm -hmm. So reason that I'm going, I want to just kind of elaborate a little bit. Why did I say when I said, let me think about it and I will tell you? I also happen to think, yes, there is correct that lots of people might say, let me think about it so, so they don't 
put themselves in an awkward position or vice versa. But they think they're sparing somebody else out of feeling her a salesperson or themselves being in an awkward position. But then there's lots of people out there, when they say, let me think about it, they mean, let me think about it. They're mm -hmm. going to do more investigation. They're not sure, they wanna compare things. So I don't think it's always the answer is not hurting somebody's feeling. I think they mean, let me think about it. Now, for instance, in my case, I would, I think I have told you the story. I said to the salesman, I, the car salesman, matter of fact, I am going to go, I said, this is, this is the car I want. I'm not exactly sure exact price, what is the appropriate price that I want you to make money. I want you to make money, but I don't want to be taken for a ride. But, and, and we are living in today's world, all the information is available. But at those times when I said that, it wasn't as much available as it is now. I said, I am going to go visit some other car dealership right now when I leave this lot. I want you to think about it. The, what is appropriate price that you could make money and you, you, and you be happy because that's what I want. But I don't want to be taken for a ride. So I said, call me. When you make that decision, just call me when you come to that decision and I will give you an answer, yes or no. But I am going to be shopping. So I was very truthful that I am shopping and that still I want you to come up with the price and I would know it was appropriate now. And that's kind of how I deal with it. it me makes me it's not just sake of somebody else it's for my own sake it just has a lot less laundry for me to carry around in my brain Thank that you. approach is also very much more respectful to the salesmen who, who don't get very much respect in life so oh, they must have appreciated your honesty yes absolutely because i think at the end of the day we spend so much time trying to figure out what somebody else wants to hear. Mm. That's only a one part of it. Somebody wants to hear. Also, that flips back into if the, you're thinking in your brain, if they don't hear what they want to hear, they're not gonna be, maybe you won't be getting what you want from them, et cetera, et cetera, right? So it's a lot of negotiation games. So, it's so actually, are you telling so-called truth so you can get what you want? Are you really looking for the truth, right? That's mm -hmm. a lot of nuance with so many layers. It isn't as simple as yes or no, because at the end of the day, then you have to reflect on yourself to ask, what does the truth mean to you? Are you answering the truth for the sake of the truth? Or are you answering the truth for so the benefit of what you're going to get or what somebody else think of you, right? Mm -hmm. Not so that many, yeah, not that many people in the world, I don't think has given that much thought of what they're saying or doing. But right. it has an incredible implication because when we don't tell the truth, I think in the end of the day, there's a soul that in us, that or God within us, always know the difference between false and lies. Or is that the truth and untruth? That's interesting. I, I read an article years ago that 70% of lawyers, if they could make as much money as they're making as a lawyer, doing another profession, they would change in an instant. And I have a lawyer friend that I asked, I said, I, I explained that what I had read. And I said to him, is that true? And he said, I believe it is. And the reason I believe that that is true is that 
in practicing law, we have to manipulate the truth. And there's something in the human psyche deep down inside that knows that you're really doing more than manipulating things. You're lying. And there's something, the religion, the Christian religion calls it the Holy Spirit. There's something, there's a consciousness in the back of our minds that says, this is not right. And when one does that over time, as lawyers do in a lifetime, they become very unhappy. Not all, but 70% would change if they had the opportunity. Well, I think I would take an issue with that in just a little bit in this way. Because basically you're saying the society, the where the profession that I have chosen this and this and that is, is forcing me to do something that is not good for my soul, right? But they, so in other words, if I can make more money doing something else, I would tell the truth. But if, because I, I could make more money by lying, that's simply what they're saying. So that's why I'm doing this. I'm not sure they are that conscious of, of what they're doing. I think we have a taught human beings and our children a tool to reshape, reformulate, to get things. But I'm not sure it's as simple as that because I do have a daughter who is a lawyer. And, and you know, you have to separate. Um, I think, let me reframe it. I think I said to you, when somebody says to me, oh, Misun, can you, you know, X, Y, and Z, and if I tell the truth, somebody's going to get hurt, somebody's going to get harmed. I said, you bet you I'll be lying, and I'll be lying all day long. Like, if you're going to come and harm, harm me or something depends, there's a, there's a value judgment, right? And I'd be a fool to tell somebody something that knowing is going to bring harm to somebody, right? But I make that conscious choice to do that. I know that. Some people might say they cross their finger as they do, because it, Again, it's, it's the flexibility of, because you know, oftentimes children think, oh, I'm just gonna tell the truth and you say yes or no. It isn't always as simple, simple as that, I get that. But I think you do have to use the good sense. Is this going to bring a harm? So, but at the end of the day, that you know you lie. I know I lie for the sake of, so there's a value judgment, but I know that I didn't delude myself by saying, oh, I didn't lie, of course I lied. You asked me an answer no, a yes or no question and I answered it wrong way. I mean, I didn't answer so-called truthfully, but I made a conscious decision and why. So I'm not lying to myself. And this is where the whole thing lies. It's the biggest thing is, I, do you know the difference when you do and when you don't? And are you willing to own that? Be responsible? So you're saying not, act, not acting from the subconscious where you're not aware of what you're doing, but consciously um, knowing what you're doing, whether or not you're lying or whether or not you're not, you're not lying. Yes, but in, in, um, in an, I would step a little further. It's, it's not that we are un maybe eventually you you become you can't tell the difference because you're so confused because you lie so much but at the end of the day i don't think it's so much of a subconscious uh, uh, matter i think you are conscious of whether you're willing to face it or not is another matter in other words you may just be lying to yourself as well and deluding yourself i think that's the more of the case for everybody because soon as my experience Soon as when you tell something untruth, and I'm just 
uh, eventually I'm going to use this word so much, maybe you will lose the potency of it, that if you um, don't tell the truth, you know it every time, you know it. You just decide that then you, you do justifying games. You say, well, because so-and-so said it, because this, this, this. So in other words, you still come up saying, well, I did tell the truth, but that's not true. You did not. And I guess my biggest thing that I want people to understand is to own their words, own their action, and be responsible. And that is why I do what I do. If I'm going to do something, what somebody is perceived as not so nice, know that you are doing for your reasoning. You own it. Don't blame somebody else. Don't blame the circumstances. Maybe because I'm, I'm such a miserable human being, I really like my neighbors, all the money or all the whatever they have, and I'm going to take it as much as I can get because I want to have what he, he has or she has, right? So face that, not because I come from poverty or I did this and he makes too much money, she makes, and they could do without it, blah, blah, blah. Why? Because at the end of the day, actually, you know exactly why you do what you do. So why don't you just be truthful with yourself? Let me share something personally that is not easy for me to share, but it's the truth. Okay. When I was a young man, I was very ambitious. And I spent a long period of time not telling the truth, lying in order to get what I want. And I learned so much from that experience because basically the two big things that had such a huge consequence of consistently lying is number one, I woke up and had no idea who I was. It was, it was an identity crisis. Who am I? Because I manipulated the truth so often. And then the other big consequence of lying during that period in my life was it completely destroyed my joy. The happiness went out the window. The happiness that we, the inherent joy that we are all born with, that all you have to do is look at a three-year-old and know that we, we are born to be joyful. Um, it was ripped, ripped from me because of my actions. And yeah, there was a short-term gain, but I love the saying from the Bible, for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? That happened to me. And that's beautifully said. And because where the danger lies, and I feel like the whole society, whole world, been walking in the dark, telling these things to ourselves. Because when you're lying, it's not about other person that you're lying to. It is that lying you tell yourself. It is that delusion that we live. So as on one hand, we say we want to be conscious human being. But how conscious are you going to get when you continue to tell the lies to yourself and delude yourself? So the, even the good or the bad, if you can face that who you are and what you are, it will literally liberate you. But not doing that, it's like, so every time that you may gain something material, you may gain a even temporary friends or the wealth, but in the end of the day, that deception that lies within you is like a slight, and I call it like a slices of like a raised, thin razor blade slices, like I can almost see the cell by cell by cell that you just cutting yourself into pieces, a million pieces. 
because there's no no getting around because eventually and i think you are very fortunate that you did reach that crisis crisis that you could you know turn the ship around and and reevaluate your life so you're extraordinarily fortunate human being because a lot of people i think by, by the time they come to that place they have destroyed so much of other lives as well as themselves. Probably one they have destroyed the most is themselves. I totally concur with that. It's true. You, you have the potential of hurting those that you lied to, but even more powerfully, you hurt yourself more than anybody. And, and I experienced it. And, um, you know, that's, we, I like to take the posture in life that everybody makes mistakes. You know, I'm not alone in this at all. Everybody makes mistakes. And what life is all about is learning lessons from those mistakes. So when we do screw up, as I did, I try to reframe it in my head as a gift because I have a knowing that other people who did not go through that bad period that I went through do not have. I know the price one pays for not telling the truth. I know it, it's a knowing rather than a belief. And I try to practice that reframing for all my mistakes in life, whatever mistakes I make. I try to view it not as a mistake or a failure, but as a gift if I, if I learn from it. Right. Many people become victims from their mistakes and their errors and then continue to go online in the future. And all they're doing is hurting themselves and destroying whatever minimal joy they have left. Well, I was going to say, on the other hand, Richard, since me knowing you, and because we've been having a lot of conversation about um, intuitive um, uh, uh, coaching that I've been doing, and I wanted to practice on you. So I think as much as the truthfulness that you seek and you've been practicing, we have gone to places that made you rather uncomfortable because you had to reflect it on a deeper, right? Deeper layers, like, oh, I thought like I'm really working on this. Like, oh, she made me look at that one, that kind of thing. And that is the part of the uncomfortableness because it depends on the layer that peeling was, you know what? You can do up to so much and that's good enough. But if you really, really want to wake up, and so your phrase oftentimes is that you are a spiritual seeker and you've been doing this for 30 plus years, right? Yes. Then my question to you, which I did ask, is since you've been doing it for 30 some more years and you say you want it, so let's take it to the next level, which was then appealing away even deeper. Well, that's the beauty of this path. If one chooses the path to truth, it never ends. It's my mistake was I thought, okay, you change the behavior, you become fixed. It's much more than that. Life again is not black and white, it's nuanced. And the, the, the real joy for me in being on the path of enlightenment or becoming aware or elevated consciousness, whatever you want to call it, is that it's a process that never ends. And so I find in later life, I just turned 70 years old, my joy is growing day by day by day as I welcome in and embrace some of these principles, one major one being truthfulness. It's, it's, a, it's a real wonderful thing. For the sake of the listener and sake of the truthfulness, so I'm going to kind of take it back. 
But this process that we that we, you and I are talking about is not an easy process by any means. Also, I have made you feel really uncomfortable times because at, at times because the the level of with the sharp object we dived into it because it, it, it because you have to check your ego, you have to know yourself, you have to have an objectivity that you can detach then not so personalized of each issue because it is not about the good or the bad. It's about the seeking the truth itself that suffer from ourself, our own ego. And I think that was profoundly played out in our conversation, yes? There's no question about that. And I think the reason is because we all have an identity, a self-identity. And you, because of your intuitive coaching, which is so powerful, you are able to sit from me, sit with me, and listen to my words. But your intuition knew that I was deceiving myself. Your intuition could see into me in a way I've never experienced with anyone else. And the, the discomfort came from, from looking within and realizing I've been deceiving myself, right? I've been yeah. saying, I'm an honest person, or I'm this, or I'm that, and I'm on the path. But you can see. That's one of your greatest gifts, Nisong. And I love the way you framed it as it's an intuitive coaching skill. And I was on the receiving end of it. And you're right. It was very uncomfortable. But what do they say? No pain, no gain, right? One has to face discomfort if one wants to grow. Children with their teeth, when they come in, they have to face the pain of teething because no pain, no grain. So that was the wonderful gift that you gave me through our sessions that we had with your intuitive coaching. And I'm very, very grateful for it. But well, so let's talk about that just a little bit more in terms of that discomfort and the part of the discomfort came, I think, for this reason. I think for all human beings, and I am certainly uh, a fallible like everyone else, but at the same time, no, even though that you're in, you know, and I, I believe in this to be true for every human being, I think it doesn't matter how intelligent you are or, or you're not, that the sense of right and wrong is embedded in our DNA, I think it's embedded in our soul. So when we do- I agree with that. That we know it, but does have somebody, but in, in some levels we deceive ourselves saying all the circumstances and reasons, and this is why, this is what I did. So actually I told the truth or whatever, and you go about your life. Then when you say something like, well, I want to know the truth and I'm really seeking the truth. Then somebody like me comes along saying, no, 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 not really. Because if you really did, you would have done X, Y, and Z, da, 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 da. But the thing is, you haven't even really given that much thought thinking about did I or did not. It was kind of in, in like survival technique. So when somebody shed that much light and kind of say, no, no, you know deep down you didn't do it. What it did is, is very uncomfortable because you feel rather naked that somebody see you that, uh, for the lack of better word, somebody can see right through you, like a looking at transparency. 
So that is really uncomfortable, right? Because deep down that you've been hiding from your own, now somebody else can see you even better than you can. And by putting that light on, you can see yourself, which is really- That's so true. One of my favorite quotes is by Ralph Waldo Emerson. And it is, what you don't say speaks so loud, I cannot hear you. So you're right, you're just deceiving yourself and people can see yeah. right, right through you without saying anything. So, and then almost the sense of you got caught, like, oh my God, they can see me. Yeah, you know? Which then becomes very shameful. Yes. And then makes you question, who am I? Who am I? Well, no, some, some questions and some just get mad. Some just get angry, right? Because yeah. they're defensive. I, I used to justify it in my past life that I was clever. I thought I was clever by manipulating the truth. I was so young, so, so naive, so foolish. And the, the price I paid, as I said, was who, my identity and my happiness. So you were we're all here. We're all here because we want, I'm sorry. You were clever. No, don't take that away. You were clever. The people who can do that because it is a cleverness, but there's a clever, there's a difference between, you know, again, be true. I was, I, was, I was clever to get what I wanted. Yes. Better yet, I was clever to get what I thought I wanted because we all want the same thing. The bottom line is we all want to be loved and we all want joy in our lives. That, that's what motivates us to do, in my humble opinion, to do everything. I thought that by succeeding in gaining material abundance and money and being quote unquote success in society's eyes, that that would bring me the happiness. I now know through much pain, much, much pain, that I create my happiness right here, mm -hmm. right in my yes. You choose which happiness is not a result. It's a process. We, be, we create it internally. Well, you That's create it internally also, and you also create it externally by doing what you need to do to, you know, you can't be sitting in the middle of the Holocaust of thinking and said, I'm going, I'm happy and I'm creating this happy memory. I think kind of- Well, I'd like to challenge that, Misun. I'd like to challenge it. Viktor Frankl read, read, wrote yeah. a very, very popular book, Man's Search for Meaning. Yeah. And he said he realized that when everything was stolen from him, everything, mm -hmm. even his identity, his name was stolen and he became a number tattooed on his wrist. He realized, realize that human beings still, still have the opportunity to choose how we're going to respond to that. Okay. Now that's, I, I that's read pretty profound. Yeah, I read the book as well. So I'm going to put it in this way. I understand what you're saying, but when you say happiness, I, and I'm going to split the nuance. You can surrender and also accept the, what it is and also find the beauty or the peace within things that you cannot control, or they say they help me to accept the things I cannot change and change the things I can. Mm -hmm. So reflecting on that is a, a Victor Frankl, except the condition of the human condition that at the time that he was being put into and everybody around him was put into. 
but he still choose to see the light, not the darkness of the mankind that what they were doing. So it's more of a surrender that he decided not to, basically I think what he was saying is that he decided not to think the entire humanity was awful, but there is so much beauty in it and I'm not going to surrender into this darkness and me thinking this is the, what the world is. Am I, so it's a difference, it's not- That, that, is, that is true, and there's an end to that. And he talked an awful lot about purpose. Mm -hmm. Those that had a purpose to yes. go back and see a relative, to go finish their education, to take care of this person, if they had a strong and powerful why or a purpose, why they were, why am I living? Even under those horrendous conditions, it was the why or the purpose that enabled them to survive. The ones without the why and without the purpose he noticed died. Right, because it is- So that, in addition to everything you said, that was the essence of that book. And it was very, very, very powerful. Oh, absolutely. It's probably one of the most, most celebrated book in the world, or at least in this country. Because again, it's like all things what human beings don't realize. When we are selfish, because that's what uh, when we all the uh, bit of a narcissism, they're thinking I need, I want, I need, I need, I need. That only goes so far. Then so some people will have learned early on by having purpose that bigger than yourself. I think this conversation has gone into from the truth to lots of other places, but which is good. Uh, then when you find purpose in life that bigger than yourself and you have so much more motivations, you have so much more to live for because you can be something that powerful force to change the world. So it's that, you know, eating and sleeping and having things, that's all part of the necessity, some of them, to be living in this world. But then when you find purpose in life, that takes away, it changes the entire game of a meaning of life, that why you exist in life, why you, the post existing, that why you want to live, because you can make the difference, because that keeps you up. Right. Yeah. So I, I think- I, I, re yeah. I really agree with you. And if that purpose originates through a real adherence to the truth, then one gets real clarity about why they're here. And that makes life so much easier in terms of overcoming the inevitable challenges that we all experience through life. So truth is, the, is, is one of the pillars of finding one's purpose, to do it truthfully. Well, I'm going to state something from here, um, but I think we already covered it, but the sake of the conversation and the line, and I, one of the question I phrased was, what is the difference between lie and bending the truth? Why? this or that, why do you justify what you do? And I think we have already answered that, but oftentimes people do so-called bend the truth. And I think we already answered that for the self-gaining and motivation. Then um, my next thing, which I, I was going to start an introduction in terms of this, this conversation, the more than anything that it tells is know yourself and be honest with yourself. Because deep down, all of us know the truth in spite of our justification, what you were talking So being truthful with yourself is the most important pillar of the journey, spiritual journey. Because without- Shakespeare said, Shakespeare said, to thine own self be true. Yes. 
And, yeah. and again, the, how many layers and how deep you want to go. And that's, again, the honesty is important because if you say, you know what, I can't handle this and I'm not going to go there, but I'm going to just work from, you know, just this level. And if that works for you, you stay there and you keep at it until that you can handle more. But turning it, you know, oftentimes where the danger comes is so many people become so defensive because they feel like their ego is being attacked or they are being attacked, which they're not. So it's really, as you say, you know, the, um, to know thyself, to know thyself. And this conversation, as I said, this conversation is not meant to be necessarily right or wrong. It is only meant to, to allow ourselves, allowing ourselves to have a chance to look at with detachment, with objectivity, so we may grow. So this entire conversation, it is as, as much as it may feel like a judgment, but it isn't. It's about order for us to have this dialogue. We have to be detached and we have to be honest. And so we can grow. You know, what does it really mean? They're allowing ourselves a place that we can immerse ourselves and finding people to talk to and allowing ourselves to be, if you want to call vulnerable, allowing ourselves to be vulnerable because end of the day, you're still going to die no matter what. So all the covering, all the shielding isn't going to deliver you. But if you can touch, because end of the day, as you also said, that every one of us are flawed human beings. Maybe we are perfect human beings doing flawed things that we know better. So by not allowing ourselves and giving so much of a power to other people, because really, when we get defensive, we are talking about other people's judgment, other people and our own justification, right? Neither serve us. Because how are they going to view me? Or oh, they may think me this way, they may think me that way. But for God's sakes, end of the day, they can think whatever they want. It's not yours. I agree with you. We are all perfect in our imperfection. Mm-hmm. But it's so refreshing for me to talk to you about truth because so few people have this awareness, this, these distinctions that you make and these multiple layers of peeling away to get at the truth. I'm curious, Misung, would you share, how did you come to this place? Were you born this way or was this part of your path and your journey where you decided that you were going to devote yourself to the truth because I read your book and I think I think as I recall you have a, a saying in that book that I love which is you know something to the effect of you know I the truth the raw truth is so important to me you, you probably remember I, I slipped my mind exactly what it was but in your book that whole book is dedicated to the truth well, thank you. And I don't necessarily remember that passage, but in, and it is that. I think biggest thing that it, it is, you know, one of my, I think it's greatest teacher, I would call the life itself, and the circumstances I was born, those been all my teachers. But I'm also, a, uh, I think I read most of Khalil Gibran's book. And, and, and so he was big, big influence in my life when I was 19 years old. 
and end of the day that he speaks about the truths and speaks about the love and he speaks about the loyalties and all those different subjects in the book prophet and probably i really dived into it and peel it to understand as best i could of what is the truth what is my delusion but more than anything also is that what i found myself is oftentimes is examining my own motivation, why I do what I do in life. So once upon a time, I thought, if God loved me, my life will be perfect. God loved me, my mother wouldn't die. If God loved me, nothing bad would happen to me. So that kind of thinking. So is that the truth? Is, is that if really God loved me, all those things wouldn't happen? Me figuring out that's not true. That's not true. So living my life, then that's a that's a lot to unpack. But living my life thinking that God doesn't love me because my mother was dead when I was three years old. That is a, that is if you want to call it a misbelief or untrue. It caused me a great deal of suffering because I thought I had to win over God to convince Him that I was a good person, a good child because God misunderstood me. So can you imagine? So really, and I think that is just a one a place, the misunderstanding, because it isn't true. So what is true? Does that mean there's a whole world, if you're really a good person, you get everything you want, that you don't suffer, that means God loves you? I mean, talk about, you know, mother law, or whatever the phrase that you want to use to create the suffering into ourselves. Is that the truth? Is that why my mother died? Is that with the God to punish me? That kind of journey that I went into, really then for me, that is a different note, but coming to understand, it isn't all about me for God's sakes, because if I really want to dive in and say that, it is really not that kind of thinking, it's narcissist, because me thinking the entire world revolved around me. This woman would have lived just for the sake of me, so, so that I am loved. That means that everything is okay. It had very little to do with me. But in thinking, because my world wasn't perfect as I perceived to be as it should be, I thought that um, I was thinking, I was misthinking, and I brought myself great suffering. The truth of the matter on that subject, if I can just state, and I'm, I'm looking that it's a shorter way to do it, is that truth of the matter is my mother was a young woman who had a life of her own before that I existed or my sister existed. And I was the gift that she gave to the world and to, unto myself because she had me. That's the truth. Did she need to linger on for the, my sake? No, not necessarily. She had a life to live. And the truth of the matter is, this is life. That whatever for reason she passed, it had a very little to do with me, I think. But I personalized it in a, such a way. So literally, that's a, that's a volume for all the different nuanced thinking that God was punishing me, which was a lie. It wasn't true. But I told that to myself that I was going to convince God that I needed to be a certain way, that I was misunderstood. I was trying to convince God. I was convinced the world. And I guess that is really the place that has led me to peeling away, looking at the truth. 
listening to you describe that, I the memory flashed back in my mind of what you said in your book, which was, I don't need to be right. I don't care if I'm not wrong. I just want the truth. And it seems to me you focused your whole life on that. And um, it makes you a pretty special person. Well, thank you. Because I think it's not just me, it's every one of us. It is getting the place that you are comfortable in your own skin. If you live your life the best of your ability and rise up every single day, it's not from the place of other people's judgment, simply that if you did the best you can, that you told the truth, that you're honest with yourself, to know yourself. If you could get to that and you know that every day you woke up and you did the best you can, that does not mean that you're not going to mess up. Of course, you're going to mess up. Given the information that you have at the time, we're going to not do the whatever, whatever way that it should have been done. But at the end of the day, that knowing yourself, that show up for yourself the best way you know how, the best you can, 1,000%, that prevent you from so much suffering and from delusion that you will wake up. So that's, that's the and what, uh, You know, and what I, what I see in you is you walk your talk, because I've noticed you experience, like we all do, the inevitable ups and downs of life, the in inevitable gains and debilitating, debilitating losses. And what I've noticed about you is when you go through that turbulence on the downside, you're almost fearless. There's just an acceptance of reality that you have that most people don't have. Nisong. You accept it and you prepare to move forward and you don't have all the drama that most people have when they fear losing a spouse or they fear losing their money or they fear losing their health. It causes, I think, the mass of mankind great, great anxiety. And yet I see with you a, a minimal worry Certainly you're concerned, but you move forward accepting reality as it is. In other words, accepting the truth of reality of what we all go through. And you, you're aware that we suffer. And when you do suffer, you accept it. I think that's a very powerful way of being. Well, thank you. But at the end of the day, I think that's what all we need to do. Actually, I'm just trying to spare myself from suffering by accepting things I could not change. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. everybody has to accept one way or another, but some of us just put out yeah. more, more energy out there than is necessary because you're not going to yeah. change certain things, right? But you see how I'm attempting to tie your devotion to the truth to that quality that you exude, which is to worry less than others, to accept more than others, to be willing to move forward more than others. Because a lot of people, when they have you know, loss of, of any magnitude, it just completely, completely freezes them. They don't know what to do, where to go. But don't forget, Richard, at the end of the day, if we do seek to wake up, is it's a delusion that we have when we, when we have certain things, the gains and losses become all encompassing. That's just only the one facet of your life of many days that we have lived in this life right? That's just the one thing. So when you look at the million things that you the challenges that you have faced, million triumphs that we all gotten in our life, because you and I have our age, so we had a lot more at least in this life 
as well as life before. So, but we forget, we forget that all the triumphs we had, we are so focused on thinking, oh my God, I'm going to lose something or gain something. So it's, it's that, it's that understanding the good and the bad, the war pass, and keeping it into perspective, keeping it into perspective. And I think that's what sets me apart from the others, is I learned that sometimes I, you know, that I have this meditation, I think I'm going to probably end at here or towards and and you speak a little bit. One of my meditation that I have had a long, long time, and I think I saw in my mind, so I am on the shift, on the ship, huge ship in the middle of the ocean. And all of a sudden, so in my meditation, I see and I go through step by step. This the ship has capsized, has fallen apart. I don't see anybody else in there. But other than I'm sure there is supposed to be. So I am in the ship in the middle of the ocean. And the, the whole ship has fallen apart. Um, I find myself lying on the top of the plank. And I wake up lying on the middle of the plank. And I'm drifting in the ocean. I'm scared and I stop. Thrash, thrashing back and forth, wondering, oh my God, I'm going to die and whatever. In my meditation, I come to a place. What are you doing? How is that going to help you? So what I do is I just lie on the top of the plank with my head down, wrap my arm around this plank, and I just lie there, and I just let it drift away, and I just surrender into what is. There's nothing else I can do. So I gently erase this plank and I'm just drifting away. And I said, whatever will be, will be. Because I cannot do anything about it. So what I do have this plank and I embrace them like I'm holding my mother or my child and I rest my head. And in the end, it is my dream. And I wake up, I fall asleep in that plank and I wake up and it's, I'm on the beach. And I, this beautiful sun is shining on me. I've been drifted onto the ocean. I stop thrush, you know, stop wrestling, trying to do something. It is that accepting what is inevitable and accepting I may die, but this only means I'm just exiting this body. Literally, and said, you know what? I'm not going to, to put in the energy of fight, of last breath I have and trying to do something that I know I can't do anything. So I just surrender into it. So in my meditation, in my dream, I am washed to the, uh, the, to the shore and the beach, and I do wake up. But if I don't wake up, I'm okay with that too, because I have accepted. I now have a deeper... Un Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, that's it. I now have a deeper, un I now have a deeper understanding of why you exude so much peacefulness. That's beautiful. So That's that beautiful. And I'm a, great, I'm a great believer that our thoughts create our reality. So what we think, feel, and believe, if we think that peacefully, that beautifully, if we create that kind of beauty within our cerebral mind, that the inner world precedes the outer world, right? If you create that in your mind, right, it's... It just naturally exudes over into the outside world and the circumstances and you attract, you attract peaceful people, people's peaceful situations. I really believe that. 
the power of the mind is, un, as you know, is unbelievable. So my thought is always is an end of the day is this, well, it's not like I had a whole lot of choice because that is the cognitive thinking, not deluding myself. I didn't have any choice. I wasn't trying to think of beautiful thoughts, just the accepting what is, what is. So mm -hmm. it seemed to me in many ways, it's, it's, a, it's a good sub life skill. Yeah, but in the end, you had the choice of what yes. to think about. Oh, what absolutely. To, you had that choice. Everybody has a choice. Nobody, not many use it. Right, not right. Many use it. Exactly. So, in that, in, in that vein, I think we were just we're going to end. On, unless Richard, you have something else to add. And I think this conversation we could have dived into a certain situation, and we may do that next time about the truthfulness. Like, how do you handle with this, and how do you handle with that? But I think we kind of generally covered a lot. Do you agree? Yes, I do. I would like to leave the audience with one thing, and that is that be very careful what you think. Think truthfully, because it all starts in the mind, and you will create whatever you think about it. Mm -hmm. The Buddha said that. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so I, I love the saying, I cannot afford the luxury of a negative thought. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, you, no, none of us can, but people seem to do it perpetually. So uh, I'm glad you ended that way. So Good. see where this would lead to. Thank you so much. And, and I hope everyone have a great day. All right. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.